0: Pastor Nathan. Well, welcome, church. It's good to see you this morning. We are in our second series, um, no, our second week of the series, Immerse. Um, As Nathan mentioned, last week um, uh, was our first. And uh, so, Immerse, if you've just joined us, is a Bible reading plan that takes us through the entire New Testament in eight weeks. And each Sunday, the message is going to come out of those uh, previous week's reading. And so the cool thing about this is that um, as we delve into like uh, particular, uh, particular passages and, and very narrowed in, you've already got this broad view of what's going on in the scriptures, scriptures around it. And so that's exciting. And um, I can tell you, church, we've had such a great response from people who grabbed an immersed Bible and have been following along with the readings and it's been twofold. Firstly, you know the, the personal experience that people have had of being immersed into this great story, um, and also like just seeing things from a new perspective. But also, we've we've also heard some great feedback from our small groups where they've uh, gathered together and shared what they've learnt during the week. Maybe some of the things that confused them, some encouragement that they found from um, their readings, and also. You know, just expanding more of their understanding of who Jesus is. And so, this is a great time for us, church, of growth, where we can grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus and our understanding of who He is. In fact, you know, we've had such a great response from uh, this series that we actually ran out of books twice. We've had to make two orders. And um, the second order, which is still to come, uh, almost. Three. Three times. Oh yeah, so we ordered once and then we had two extra orders. That makes three. Uh, That's okay. So we made two extra orders and the second is still to come of those two orders. And um, if you uh, have a Bible that's coming uh, and you still would like to read along, you can grab a printout on the on the information desk that has all of the readings um, that you can follow along in your own Bible. Um, Unfortunately, we're not going to be doing any more orders, but I'd encourage you, if you still want to join us, you can just grab those printouts and follow along. Um, So, last week, uh, Nathan looked at the book of Luke um, and preached out of that. And uh, this week, we we looked at the books of Acts, 1 Thessalonians, and 2 Thessalonians. And now the book of Acts is an exciting book that follows on from Luke. That's why they rearranged them and put them next to each other. It actually follows on from Luke. And it covers Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, the birth of the Christian church and how the gospel message spread far and wide. And it also covered the life and ministry of Paul, who wrote the letters First and Second Thessalonians. So there's this interconnection that's going on. Um, it also covers like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into the church and, and just so many things. And so, I don't know if you've noticed, but Acts actually covers Paul's trip to Thessalonica as well and gives us some background information about how the Thessalonian church was formed and the kind of opposition that that church faced. So not only do we have these letters that have been written to a church that encourage us, we also are able to hear about how that church was formed. And so my message this morning is going to come from Paul's uh, letter to the Thessalonians, um, 2 Thessalonians in particular. But before we delve into uh, his letter, let us turn to Acts 17 um, to get some context of this letter. We're going to look at Paul when he went to Thessalonians. And if you have your Immersed Bibles with you this morning, you can follow along starting at the bottom of page 90. So we're going to have the references for that as well. I hope that helps. So Acts 17, starting at verse 1, it says, "Paul and Silas then travelled through the towns of, and I'm going to give this my best shot, Amphipolis, and the next word, (laughs) and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the Scriptures to to reason with the people." He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, This Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, uh, uh, along with God fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. So, this is the church birthing in um, Thessalonica. It's a very short period of time, three Sabbaths in a row, he he spoke with the Jewish people. And uh, so that's three weeks in a row, and, and, and the church was formed. But here's the thing, if we keep reading, it tells us that. But some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them? They dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were were thrown into turmoil by the report. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post-bond, and then they released them. So just to clarify, to post-bond meant that Jason and the other believers were forced to guarantee a peaceful, quiet community, or else they would face the uh, confiscation of their property and perhaps even death. And they also took some um, money for compensation off of them too. So they were, you know, they were, although they were allowed and permitted to continue meeting as you know, Christians, they had a lot of pressure to conform to the constraints placed upon them by the community in which they lived. This is actually kind of similar to what's going on in China today, you know, where Christians are persecuted, but if you register your church with the state and conform to their very strict guidelines, you might be able to meet. But if, they, if the state even suspects that you are stepping out of line, they will destroy the church property and imprison the pastor. So this has been happening for a long time. And it's what's going on in the Thessalonian um, church at the moment. They're allowed to meet, but there's this huge tension. And so this community in Thessalonians was under a lot of pressure which is a lot for a church to deal with, let alone one that was formed in such a short period of time. Um, verse 10 enlightens us a little bit further, and it tells us that um, that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to another town, presumably because they were worried about Paul and Silas's safety, and their own. And So they sent them away. So a very short amount of time, they were left with Paul's uh, the teaching that Paul gave them to continue on in the journey of faith in Jesus. Inevitably some confusion crept into the Thessalonian church and so Paul wrote to them at least twice that we know of. We've got 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, right? And he did this to correct some of the false teachings and also to encourage them to be the kind of people that honors God and also to focus on the things that truly matter. The church the instruction that Paul gives to the Thessalonians is not just for them. There is a message here for us too. And so let's turn to Second Thessalonians verse 3 and see what message Paul has for us this morning. This is page 122 of your Immersed Bible. So Second Thessalonians 3. It says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honoured wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. We'll pause there. So here is a church in the midst of a conflict of understanding and also are under immense pressure from the community in which they are situated. And yet Paul says to them, Do not... Neglect the sharing of the good news of Jesus. Do not get so caught up in your own affairs that you are only inwardly focused. And so I think the reason Paul encouraged them to pray for him and Silas is to help them shift their focus from themselves to the fact that there are others who need to hear about Jesus too. Now, don't get me wrong, there is a time and a place. And it is important that we consider some of the um, things that are going on in the church and addressing that, especially if some things you know, aren't necessarily honoring God. But Paul says, don't get caught up in that so much that you, don't, that you neglect your outward focuses as well. I love the little bit that Paul adds at the end of this verse. You know, he says, you know, pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you just as when it came to you. He's reminding them that at some point, someone, being Paul and Silas, you know, got out of their comfort zone and shared the message of Jesus that leads to everlasting life. And he encouraged them to be that person to someone else. And I think that that is a message for us this morning too. You know, at some point, someone told us about Jesus. And we need to be that person for someone else, planting some seeds. And I think we need to come to a point where others' salvation is more important than our own comfort. And I don't want this to be um, a guilt trip. I don't want to guilt trip you, church. What I want to do is encourage you and spur you on To this realization that that there are people who need to know about Jesus. And it's our responsibility to plant a seed, to share that. We come to a place where others' salvation is more important than our own comfort. I don't know if you've ever considered the fact that someone at some point told you about Jesus. You know, it might have been a Sunday school teacher who cared about you and, and taught you about the things in the Bible and how that relates to you. Or maybe it was a friend from school who invited you to youth group where you heard how much Jesus loves you and you saw the love of Jesus through how much those leaders cared about you and invested into you. Maybe you had parents like mine who lovingly showed you what it meant to walk with Jesus through life's ups and downs. Or maybe it was a Christian friend who stopped and prayed for you while you were dealing with some difficulty in your life. And perhaps they even took it a step further and stopped and prayed with you in that moment. You know, you may not have came to to faith, I think that's the right English, in that moment, but that seed was there and it was planted and you can look back on it and go, wow, I am so thankful. And whoever it was for you, most likely it was more than just one person. These people planted a seed of the gospel in your heart and I don't know about you, but I, I, I am super thankful for that, especially when you stop and reflect and think about you know, the people that invested into your life. And because of that seed that was planted, it turned into faith in Jesus. So here is Paul's challenge for us. You know, are we willing to be that person for someone else? Are we willing to be that person for someone else? Now, I don't think he's asking here for us to go up to everyone we meet and be like, hey, do you know about Jesus? Hey, do you know about Jesus? And get like super intense with everybody that we meet. But I think what he is saying is, you know, are you willing to take the opportunities in your day-to-day life to plant seeds of the gospel in, in people's hearts? Are you willing to take those opportunities that arise in your day-to-day life to plant some seeds? If the answer is yes, and I'd encourage you to, to consider that, then here is how we begin. We must begin with prayer. It all begins with prayer. You see, Paul not only got the Thessalonian church to pray for others to help them understand the importance of being outwardly focused, He also knew the power of prayer and that when we as the church commit to praying for people, man, lives are changed for the better through the healing power of Jesus. Prayer is the engine room of the church and of the spread of the good news of Jesus. And you know, here at Hills Church, we want to be a body of believers who are committed to praying for those who don't know Jesus. And we want to take every opportunity to plant the seeds of gospel. And especially because we live in a world that so desperately needs to know the love of our Saviour. So this is why we meet every Wednesday night um, from 6.30 to 7.15 to uh, to pray for our community and to, to invite God into every aspect of what we do. In fact, we value prayer so much and, and the power that it brings and the enabling it brings for God's people to share the good news that we just spent a month of prayer and fasting where every Wednesday you know, we would fast from breakfast until after the prayer meeting where we would have dinner. And in those moments where the hunger would come, it would remind us how much we rely on God's strength and we pray and seek after his guidance. And as we wrapped up that, that, this month of prayer and fasting, We actually had a a prayer team, uh, a roster of people as best as we could from nine o'clock yesterday till nine o'clock this morning. We had as best possible people here praying and some people at home who were praying as well, seeking after God and, and inviting him. Well, he's at work. We just want to get on board with it. So that's who we want to be. Let's continue reading. So we're up to uh, so, Second Thessalonians chapter three up to verse two. It says, "Pray too that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. But the Lord is faithful; he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one." So here's a warning, church: when we start praying for people to receive Jesus. And we are willing to step out in faith to spread the good news. We can expect some opposition, and that's okay. Not everyone will be willing to hear. It's like the parable of um, of sowing the seeds. You know, some fall upon the uh, on the concrete. You know, and 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 wither. Some, you know, fall into fertile soil. You know, the, that whole concept of some just won't be responsive. In fact, there may even be some people who push back and say things like, "You can't share your faith in this workplace. That's that's not on. You can't share your faith in this school. You know, it's not right for you to share your faith because it's not tolerant enough." Um, there's and it's very easy for us to demonize people, especially when there are. Um, you know, people in government and that sort of thing who put legislation in place that restricts our ability to share the gospel with people or restricts what we can do to share the gospel. And sometimes we find ourselves thinking, oh, we've got to fight against that person. But we must remember that our battle is not against people. You know, we're not here to fight against people and to drag them into into believing. We're called to just plant the seeds. It is God who fights the battle for their heart and breaks down barriers. And that's why it begins with prayer, by the way. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, and the Immersed Bible um, references there too, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits, In the heavenly places, it's saying here that our battle is not against people. In fact, the victory is already won in Jesus, and so when we fight for people, that's the key. We're fighting for people, and we're called to pray and and to ask God to break those barriers down. And so when people reject the message of Jesus and push back against us. They're not really pushing back against us. They're pushing it back against the love of God. And so we are not fighting against them, but Jesus is fighting for them, against the evil one. Remember, it says in, in the passage we wrote that um, you know, God, he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. He will guard us as well. And So it is important for us to remember that. When you stay in that frame of mind, we're not arguing with people. We're not fighting against people. We are for people. Because, you know, we know that we are children of God. And there are people out there who don't, haven't embraced that identity yet. It's their true identity, but they're not living in it. And so that's our responsibility to plant some seeds. So, what I want to encourage you this morning, church, is I want to encourage you. Are you willing to take those opportunities this morning? that come along. It's not your responsibility to you know, um, drag people along or to, to... I don't know. All we're called to do is plant those seeds and the Holy Spirit will water them. So if you're willing to do that this, this following week in particular, I want to challenge you to start with one simple prayer this morning. Just pray simply, Heavenly Father, please give me an opportunity this week to plant a seed. And I think when we pray that prayer, what normally happens is we are more aware of the opportunities that were there the whole time. And that's good. Let me encourage you, church, you are doing a good job. There is so much that we already do as a collective to spread the good news of Jesus. We have, you know, um, the op shop, which... Provides for people, but also provides a safe place where they can they can talk about life's difficulties and plant those seeds. We have the counselling service, which you know helps for people's um, emotional health, and also you know there are times where there's opportunities to share their faith with with clients. We also have the play group, um, uh, youth group. There's so many things that go on in the life of the church that you are already doing. So be encouraged. But I just want to take it back to this personal aspect too. It's, it's, all a respons- it's all our responsibilities as individuals as well as collective. And so let me leave you with the words of Paul, um, an encouragement that he gives. And that is in uh, verse 4. It says, And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Above all else, church, we want to seek to allow God to lead our hearts and he will pour out his love on us in such a way that it must express itself to others. I think when we experience how much Jesus loves us and what he's done for us, it can't help but leach out to those around us. And that's exciting. God's love is always found in an expression. It's never just received, it's also given. So I want to invite the band to come up this morning. And I want you to to stand with me as we ask God to lead us So let me pray for you this morning. If you want to stand as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we stand before you this morning, united in your love for us. God, I pray that um, as we understand more and more what you have done for us already on the cross, and the great passion and love you have for us. Lord, I pray that that would motivate us to share that with others. God, we know that salvation is through faith alone, and that the moment we trusted in you, you gave us new life. But God, you also call us to live a life that is holy and pleasing, and that also shares this good news with others. God, give us courage, help us to be courageous in our workplaces, in our universities, in our homes. And Lord, some of our toughest critics, our families. Lord, I pray that you would give us a boldness to just share what we have. We're praying for opportunities this week, God. Opportunities that arise that allow us to speak life into people. As Nathan mentioned last week, we want to bring light into the darkness of this world. And that light is found in you. God, we thank you. In your precious name, amen.